0: good morning everybody welcome to sunrise on this beautiful summer sunday morning it is good to worship with you good to be here with you and welcome to those of you worshiping with us online as well all of you vacationing in your cottage up north somewhere welcome to you guys as well as you sit by the lake watching us um but it's a good day i uh I was searching through the psalms to think about what to open up the service with this morning. And the song, that the song that we're going to start with is I Thank God. We just introduced this a few weeks ago. So it may still be newish for you guys. But I was looking for a psalm that kind of uh, invoked thankfulness in me. And I was just kind of scrolling through some. And um, the one that I, that I came across, it actually is one that's, um, I'm sure, it's super well known to all of you. Uh, but I love the imagery in this, especially because I love summer so much. I love being on the deck in our backyard, just all the trees surrounding me, nature surrounding me. So this, um, this invokes thankfulness in my heart. So let me read this um, Psalm 23, actually, and then we'll get ready to worship God. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie in, down in green pastures. He makes me, he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and they, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So let those images kind of sink into your into your mind this morning, in your heart. And let's be thankful as we worship and sing to God. Why don't you guys stand with us? Let's sing I Thank God together.
1: no choice but to believe my doubts are burning like ashes in the wind so, so long to my old friends burden and bitterness you just keep them moving now you ain't welcome here from now till I walk the streets of gold sing a man you saved my soul this wayward son has found his way back Oh, you picked me up you picked me up you turned me around you placed my feet on solid ground i think the master i think the the Savior. savior because he healed my heart he changed my name Forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the master. I thank the saints. Get out! I thank God. Here we go. I lost another one.
0: I am free. I am free. Oh, I am free.
1: Lost another one, I am free. I am free. Let's declare this morning. Lost another one, I am free. Oh, I am free. I am free. Lost another one, I am free. I am free. Oh, I am free. Lost another one, I am free.
2: Yeah, I am
1: free. I am free. I lost another one I am free I am free Oh I am free You picked me up You turned me around You placed my feet on solid ground I thank the Master I thank the Savior Because you healed my heart You changed my name Forever free I'm not the same I thank the Master I think the Savior God
0: Yes, amen
1: The world, but it couldn't fill me. With man's empty praise, treasures that fade are never enough. You came along and put me back together. Every desire is still satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than. Afraid, so I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and thoughts. Boy, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. 'Cause Cause the God of the mountains is the God of the valleys. Your mercy and grace won't find me again. Check it out, Lord. Oh, there's nothing better than You. There's nothing better than. No, there's nothing. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Turn the morning to dancing, you give beauty for ashes, you turn shame into glory, you're the only one who gets. You turn grace into gardens, you turn the bones into armies. Oh!
3: see what you can do Oh God of wonders Your power has no end The things you've done before in greater measure you will do again Cause there's no prison wall you can't break through, no Bouncing you can move all things are possible there's no broken body you can't raise no soul that you can't save all things are possible the darkest night you can light it up God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. I hear the chains hit the ground. Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Come awaken your people. Come awaken your city. Oh God of revival, pour it out pour it out, every stronghold will crumble, I hear the chains hit the ground, oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out, the darkest night, you can light it up. Revival pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. I hear the chains hit the ground. Oh, God of revival. I hear the chains hit the ground. Oh, God of revival, pour
1: it out, pour it out.
0: Scott, we give you our praise today. That is our prayer, our cry today, God, that your spirit would pour out on this church, in us, in our city. God, that you would be made famous. That it wouldn't be about us or our works, but it would be about you, Jesus. Yes, God. We are a thankful people. Thankful that we can be here to worship you. Thankful for what you've done in our lives. We are blessed, Jesus. We give you all the honor and glory and praise today, for you deserve it, you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: You guys can take a seat. Amen. What a great gathering time. Thank you so much for volunteering and the music. Um, if you tied the titles together, I thank God, he turns graves into gardens, and then the revival, God of revival, he leads a revival. And it's, it's just a beautiful thing. I'm Mike Dorn, one of the elders here. If you'd like to capture me or some of the other team, if you've got questions about what's going on afterwards, it's great. At the end of the service there, too, there's an opportunity for prayer we, we don't do it necessarily formally, but if anyone comes to the front and we can pray, we can help, that's, uh, that's a thing. We're here to love God and love each other, and it's, uh, we're just blessed by Jesus Christ's freedom and, and the love that he gives us to live in his kingdom already, and then to uh, help bring other people to the great reunion that will be uh, eventually. So how does he lead us into revival and stuff like that? Very cleverly. We connect. We have a connection card. We have a prayer card out front on the table. They're available in the back, too. One of the things we want you to do is connect with Him. We connect with Him through His Word, through His Holy Spirit, and through His body. Here, you're invited here if you're a first-time guest or if you're online. Uh, if we can help you in any way, that's great. But one of the things we connect to God and we connect to each other, and that can be by asking, requesting a question. It can be asking for prayer. It can be being here or calling us. Um, our numbers are available as well. And uh, in that too, you'll find that there's a QR code associated with the with our service back of the chairs. Online, you go to that QR code and you're going to get all the information of what's gone on before and what's happening, what's going on, announcements and such. Uh, For example, there is a student bonfire night. Student bonfire night, Wednesday, 7 to 9. It's so big, we don't even know where it's going to be yet. But there will be news that'll be out. 7 to 9, uh, just kind of a a fun time. And boy, we've had great weather for, you know, the the humidity has been low and it's kind of a beautiful summer and um, we can do that. So you'll get an email, or after, afterwards, if you want to ask, uh, Tanner and Julie can give you information about what they're kind of planning for that. In a couple of weeks, uh, on a Wednesday, there's a prayer night opportunity for us here, and obviously prayer is, a, we're, we're in a period of transition. We have people that have health concerns and, and, and even a, a fire in the church, so prayer time together is a, is a great way to spend time and to thank God and ask God for his leading. So that prayer night would be July 20th from 6.30 to 7.30. If it goes a little late, that's okay. And then uh, on, there's also a beach day in a couple weeks from today after the service. So wear your bathing suit to the service. No? Okay. <laughs> optional. Bathing suits are optional. And uh, after that, there's going to be some more details soon. We really want to connect in, in ways that we, can, that we can just, first of all, thank God in, in great ways and then get to know each other better because... His ministry, he said, was to love each other in such a way that the world would know that we're his disciples, and then they would be drawn to him. It's not about us, it's about him, which is great. Um, there's also, after this, uh, a greeting time of uh, exactly three minutes. There's a countdown clock that you'll see. So the kids are released uh, to their uh, to their time of uh, study and, and and school classes, that type of thing, but up there's coffee, out back, again, if you're a first-timer, approach anyone, say hi, that type of thing, grab a cup of coffee, we'll be back here in three uh, minutes, and, and praise God, he's a wonderful God.
0: You guys can head to your seats, we're going to get rolling and continuing worship today. Um, I'd like to introduce you guys to our speaker for the day, Andrew Moorhead is here joining with us, him and his family. I was super blessed because I saw your daughter, daughter kind of dancing around a little bit yeah. during I Thank God. Love that. So, Andrew, um, you have a history in youth ministry, and yes. you've been in the Hudsonville area for a while. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. I, uh, over 10 years, I was at uh, South Blendon Church. It's at 48th and Port Sheldon there, so them in a gas station right on the corner. So, yeah, that's been uh, great. I was very involved there. And then um, more recently, about six years ago, a number of the churches in the area, including them, uh, we partnered together to start an uh, after-school program for unchurched youth, so that's it's called High Five. Uh, it meets on the campus of Love Your Neighbor, nice. uh, awesome. so Jenison, Hudsonville, Allendale students.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Andrew, for joining us. Yep. We're blessed to have you today. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Okay. There we go. So um, today's message is, as you can see, on uh, Romans 8, where Paul is going to talk to us about... What does it mean to live our life through the Spirit? We're going to find that there are really two ways that human beings on earth can be living their life, and only one of them is going to be pleasing to God. So uh, it should be on the screen here, and we're going to read through our, our passage for today. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who lives in you. So we've just, Next slide, please. We just um, heard from Paul and, and what he wrote, but actually we do have to take a step backwards because the first word in that passage was therefore. So um, you guys may remember from your time in youth group or, or wherever, a lot of times we were taught that if we see the word therefore, we have to go back and look why, what is it there for? Right? And so in order to understand Paul's point here, we need to know what in the world was he talking about just before. Because he's saying, therefore, because of what I just said, this is what I want you to know. And so if we don't understand part one, we can't understand part two. So what is Paul saying? In chapter 7, Paul just told us that because we were not capable of living up to the law, it therefore brought death and not life. So... I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Right? So at the end of chapter 7, Paul is a slave to sin. And maybe we live with that for a moment, right? We're We're going to get to the good news in a second. Paul's going to get there. That's the other half of his point. But first he explains that without Jesus, I am subject to the law of death. I'm a slave to sin. I'm trapped in my own sinful body. The good that I want to do, I can't do. And that's where all of us would be living without Jesus. That was the world, that that was creation before um, the cross. Right, We had the law. The law was given to Moses, if we remember that, way back in the Old Testament. And it was supposed to do good, but Paul explains that it didn't. Because it was weakened by the sinful nature, the law had only the power to condemn. It could tell us what sin was. It could help us to understand it. But because we were helpless to resist sin, because we were helpless to overcome it and live for God, we were subject to death and then to hell, right? That's where everyone was going. All of the people from the Old Testament that we think about, David and Moses, the Bible tells us that they longed to understand how is God going to solve this problem that, that all human beings have, that we're subject to this death, and that we don't have the ability to live for God the way that he's calling us to, right? We were going to be slaves. But in chapter 8, Paul makes this great statement. Now there's going to be no condemnation. So suddenly we've completely shifted from, I'm, woe is me, I'm a helpless slave to sin in my own body to I can get to a place where there's no condemnation for me at all. I can live for Christ. I can put sin behind me. It doesn't mean that I will never sin again, but I can shift who I am as a person, my focus and my direction from sinful to following God. And this is suddenly going to become possible because of what Christ did because of his work on the cross, and then a little bit later for Paul specifically, because Jesus shows up on the road to Damascus and talks to him, doesn't he? He says, Paul, you're persecuting me. Why are you doing that? I want to change you entirely from this person who hunts and destroys Christians and does these terrible things to this person who is going to be a hero of the faith and is going to bring this good news to everyone around you. And so that's what Paul wants us to know. So, God has sent Jesus as a sin offering to condemn sin and allow us to live not according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Suddenly that's going to be possible. This massive change in the world has happened, and now for Christians it is going to be possible to live for Christ, and that's made possible because of Pentecost, right? Fundamental change. Before Pentecost, the Spirit does not indwell believers, except for very small periods of time in the Old Testament, but nobody gets to just have God live inside of them. That wall was there, right? That curtain in the temple that separated God from man existed. Jesus has torn that, and now God is going to, the Spirit is going to move directly into our lives, and we're going to be able to live for him. So everything is different. But Paul makes a point to say that you, can't, you can live according to the sinful nature or the Spirit, but you can't mix the two. There is no ability to say, I'm going to live for God Monday to Saturday, and that or live for the world Monday to Saturday, and on Sunday is going to be for God, right? That doesn't work. That's not what Paul is saying. He says that it has your life has to be one or the other completely. You're walking this way or that way. You can't be doing both at the same time. The mind of sinful man is death. The mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. So the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God, right? There's there's no parsing that. There's no negotiating with God. There's no saying, "Well, look, I'm going to be really good some of the time, but other than that, I'll, I'll kind of right. I'm going to have parts of my life that are one way and parts of the other." Paul says that doesn't work. God isn't interested in negotiating. You can't do good enough here to make up for here, right? Um, in fact, if we were to look at the difference between Christians and The Mormon faith? The Mormon faith is works-based, if you go and read about what they believe. They believe that that the way that we please God is that we do things for him. Christianity doesn't say that. Christianity says God is concerned with what we believe and who we are. So it's not possible to live partly, it's not possible to sort of just do the things God cares about and have the rest of my life be private. So, there can be no compromise. Paul says, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, then he doesn't belong to Christ. The same statement again. Unless we become fully what Jesus is calling us to be, then we aren't. Right? There's, there's no part way. So, how are we to live then? If we know that we have to make this fundamental choice between two extremes— Right, We know that we must die to the sinful nature and live in the Spirit. So Paul's going to spend the rest of chapter 8 telling us now the good news. What does it mean to live in the Spirit? It's suddenly possible because of Christ we have to let go our sinful nature and become this new creation that's going to live in the Spirit. But what does that mean? Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So, God then goes a step further. He says, not only am I saving you, not only am I making you a new creation, but I want you to be sons in my family. Right? Now, this is a concept that can be less understandable to Americans because we have sort of this idea that everyone is their own person, and that is probably a good thing. But in a lot of cultures, it matters deeply who are your parents, what family are you a part of, are you a legitimate part of the family, are you, where, where are you in the hierarchy? Um, just the other day, someone was explaining to me that the English royal family is paring down who gets to be a royal. Right? It used to be this big group of people, and now it's going to be just the king and just his children and grandchildren, but not the cousins and not the aunts. Right? They're saying, these are the members of the family, these are the people who are not. And Jesus is saying to us, God wants to let us into the family. He wants us to be sons and daughters of his, and beyond that, beloved children of his. The term Abba Father could probably be best translated Daddy, right? When my daughter, who's now in the back, runs to me and jumps in my lap and screams, Daddy! And throws her arms around me, and I'm happy to receive her, and and the best part of my day is that, or walking in and seeing my sons and having, the, they may not yell, Daddy, and throw their arms around. But, you know, Dad, and, and we talk and, and do things, that's who we are to God. We're beloved children. We're not employees. We're not people who are going to, like, sort of accomplish a task. We're not, you know, maybe outside of the family. We are these beloved children who have access to God and can yell, Daddy, and jump into his arms and be happily received by God. So the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Right. So we're also going to be, we're inheriting children, more so even than before, Right? If we read the story of Jacob and Esau, it's all about who is going to get the inheritance, who's going to be the inheriting son of Isaac. Right, Christ is telling us we are, we're that. We're inheriting beloved children of Christ. We have important place in God's coming kingdom. So, the good news is we have the chance to reject the sinful nature, live, and be co-heirs with Christ. So, what does that mean? What does it mean... To us personally, that we have this ability to now change our lives and become co-heirs with Jesus. Hopefully, for many of us, we we started this process. We did this. We became saved many years ago. Um, if you're not in that place, if you're a person who's here who says I don't I don't fully understand what's being talked about, I I, don't, I wouldn't know exactly what it would mean for Christ to be the head of my life and for me to live for that instead of the way that I have been living. Um, you just heard that there, you know, there will be people who would love to pray with you and talk with you and, and I would be around and I'd love to do that. But for the rest of us, we have this process that we're supposed to be walking through where we're becoming more like Jesus every day, right? But the cost of this ability to call God daddy and to jump into his arms and to be part of this family is that we're to put to death in our lives sin. Sin is supposed to die in a very literal sense. Jesus was in. Incredibly specific about this. In fact, um, one of his parables says, if your you know, right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. If your eye causes you to sin, get rid of that. Right? Jesus is being very literal there. He means that. Now, it isn't actually your hand that's causing you to sin. It isn't actually your eye. He's not telling you to remove parts of your body. He's saying, in the same way that you would do that, find the thing in your life that is causing the sin and remove it. Even if it costs you as much as removing a hand or an eye, get that out of your life because you need to be living for me. We just read, if you are living for sin, if that is still there, if you say, I don't, I don't tell anyone, nobody knows, but I know exactly what God means when, when I hear that sin that's in your life that you won't give up, the one that nobody knows about that I just can't let go of. I know exactly what he means, Right? Jesus is saying you need to get rid of that. That is the thing that is holding you back from following me and from living for the Spirit. That is the reason why you can't please God. That is the reason why, right? We're supposed to get rid of that. In youth group, I would often talk to young people about sin as being a fish hook, right? Because there's always some sort of bait on a hook to get the fish to bite it. For Christians, right, there's always something in a situation that makes us think, You know, we know that sin is wrong, but there's something there that we want to chase and that we want to go after. There's always some sort of bait. There's something that makes me think I'm going to get something that I want, or at least that I think that I want, out of this, and so I'm going to go after that. But any time that we do, right, that sin gets its hook into us, and it's always going to drag us to a place that we didn't want to go. And the Bible tells us that the cost of going down that road, the cost of biting on that hook and sinning and saying, "I, I think I want that even though maybe I know that I shouldn't, is that something in your life is going to die. Sin leads to death, right? Ultimately, it leads to our complete and eternal death in hell if we don't have Jesus. But before that, in our life now, anytime time I sin, something in my life is going to be damaged or die. A relationship, an opportunity, maybe a blessing that God had for me for the future is going to not manifest itself. I'm going to harm myself by doing that every time because that's what the Bible tells us, right? So we think, what in our life or heart will need to die so that God can be first? He tells us that you can live for the sinful nature or the spirit, but not both. And so identify that and get it out of our lives, right? So as I was preparing for the sermon, um, I asked, you know, what would, what would you like me to preach on? What, what would I know about the church that would be important? And this is what they sent me. It says, transforming the world with God's grace and love, right? Which is a wonderful mission statement, purpose statement, right? Um, but it, uh, it's also a really big dream, right? We're going to transform the world, presumably the world around us, and then out and out and out, right? Wonderful dream, and it's exactly what God is calling a church to do, so that's great, but this same thing applies to a church as it does to an individual, right? A church also would need to put to death corporately the sinful nature, even as its individual members say, I'm going to get out of my life that anger that no one knows about, that lust that no one knows about, that greed that no one knows about, or that maybe people do, or whatever it is, right? Individually, we each need to clean our lives of those things, and God says, He'll help us. And corporately, as a church, you would need to say, do we follow God? Do we do the things that God wants us to be doing? Or do we have these secret little spots where we think it's okay to deviate from what God wanted, right? Are we loving and caring around one another or or not so much? Um, Do we have unity and, and care for one another or is there really some gossip that we need to deal with, right? As a church, are our priorities really reaching the lost or is it keeping our church kind of the way we want it and comfortable for us? And I don't know the answer to any of those questions, right? I'm just here talking, but you guys hopefully do And that is the types of things that a church needs to be dealing with and saying, God called us to reach the lost, to help the hurting, to go after the the least of these in our community. Is that what we spend our time and our effort and our energy and our treasure doing? Or if we were to look, where are those things going? Is it really to something else, right? Samuel, can you hand me that right there? Yes, thank you. So I always try to have a, a kind of a weird little... End of the sermon, right? A a point that maybe we can all walk away with. So for me, this is is the point. Are there there Star Wars fans in the room? Anybody like that show, right? The current show is Obi-Wan. Has anybody watched that one? Nearly everyone, which is awesome, right? I liked it too, and we watched it. In that show, there is a character, the bad guy, and his job is to, to hunt down the Jedi and to capture them and to get rid of them. And he has this whole speech where he explains that the Jedi really hunt themselves, because they can't help their nature, right? So in that show, the Jedi have the Jedi code, and they can't, even, even though it's going to cause them to get captured by the Empire and imprisoned and, and defeated, they can't help but live as Jedi, because that's what they are. So they, oh, here we go, right? They get their light, right? And there's a whole deal where the Jedi, is he going to hide his lightsaber, is he going to get rid of it, or is he going to take it out and be a Jedi? And he has to decide, and that's their problem, Right? For Christians, we're not called to have a laser sword and to go fight the empire, but we are called to live in a way that we can't help, right? Just as Obi-Wan in that show can't help but help people, he can't help but reveal himself to the empire and get into these conflicts, even though all he really wants is to hide, is because that's who he is. As Christians, we're called to live a certain way. Every morning when we wake up, the thing that we should be worried about is, am I living for God? What is the thing that we're so excited that day that we can't wait to get to, right? And if it's something to do with a a boat or a vacation or a cottage or a, a, a promotion at work or whatever it is, right? If the thing that we can't help but be because that's who we are at our core is something other than God, then that's the thing that needs to get fixed. That's where we need to shift. The thing we can't help doing needs to be evangelism and discipleship and caring for the hurting people around us and being who God wants, right? As Christians that's what we're called to do. Not with this sword, but with what the Bible says, the sword of the spirit, right? With God's help we're supposed to be living for him and following him and always seeking after what he wants, even when it's going to cost us, right? My favorite um, thing to do sometimes is I read missionary biographies. I don't know if you guys have ever read one. But the people in our world today who live in places where the gospel is illegal, right? They're, they're like the Jedi. They're being hunted. right? There are people who say, I am going to find you. If you are a Christian, I'm going to catch you. I'm going to put you in jail. And just like them, they say every day, I'm not afraid of that. That doesn't bother me. I'm more worried about spreading the good news and doing the things God called me to do, even when it has this incredible cost right? And we're blessed to live in a country where we don't have that sort of a cost. But there are other costs, and we need to be willing to pay them if we're going to be who God called us to be, right? You guys pray with me? Lord, I thank you for this church. I pray that um, they would as a group of believers who are committed to you, follow you, live out this wonderful dream that they've put in front of themselves, this wonderful purpose, and that they would change the world for you, that they would bring your light and your peace to the people around them, and that there would be healing and life change and joy because of that. I pray that you would give them a spirit of courage and not of fear to stick to and continue and pay the price that would come in order to change the world. Amen.
1: Amen.
0: Well, we're going to continue in worship and sing a song together to close the service. And as we do that, we can also uh, worship God by giving of our uh, our offerings. And the offering bucket is in the back between the doors. It's labeled over there. Um, you can do that during the song or after the service if you'd like. For those of you online who would like to give as well, there's a, a link that'll drop into the comment section so you can click on that and that'll bring you to our website where you can give. Um, So, yeah, a a way to worship God is through giving, a way to worship God is through prayer and hearing his word and also singing. And we're um, going to continue by singing this last song, Son of Suffering. So, um, yeah, please be in a worshipful mindset as we sing this song together.
1: walking in the dirt with you and me. He knows what living is. He is acquainted with our grief. A man of sorrow, son of suffering. Oh, blood and tears, how can it be? There's a God who we there's a god who pleads oh praise the one who would reach for me hallelujah to the son of suffering why don't you guys go ahead and stand with us some imagine you a distant dream. To chase us down in merciful pursuit To the sinner you grace A God who weeps, there's a God who weeps. Oh, praise the one who would reach for me. Oh, hallelujah to the Son of God. Your stripes, my healing, all praise, King Jesus. Glory to God in heaven, your blood is still speaking, your love is still reaching, all praise, King Jesus, Glory to God forever. Your cross is my freedom, your stripes. My healing, all praise, King Jesus. Glory to God in heaven. Your blood still speaks, your love still reaching. All praise, King Jesus. Glory to God forever. Glory to God forever Glory to God forever We worship you Glory to God forever Let's sing it out It's your cross Freedom, your stripes, my healing, all praise King Jesus. Glory to God in heaven, your blood. to God forever, glory to God forever, glory to God forever, oh blood and tears, how can it be? There's a God who weeps. There's a God who leads. So praise the One who would reach for me. Oh hallelujah to the Son of Suffering. Oh hallelujah to the Son of Suffering. Hallelujah to the Son of Suffering The one who gave it all Oh, hallelujah to the Son of Suffering Let Him die for us Hallelujah to the Son of Suffering the King of Kings Oh, hallelujah to the Son of Suffering Oh, hallelujah It's your cross, my freedom, your strength.
2: Thank you so much for the opportunity to share God's word with you. As you go out today, maybe at at lunch or when you have an opportunity to talk, discuss with one another, what is it about my life, if someone was looking in from the outside, or or maybe what do you see, my, my friend or family member, that defines me? What is the thing that I can't help but be? Right? Maybe discuss that as you have time. Thank you so much. Go in peace.